Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oklahoma and Texas on upset alert this week in the Big 12 Conference. Could they be caught looking ahead? A loaded 11 a.m. slate. Also, a look around the country to the biggest games across the college football landscape this weekend. This is the Big 12 Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. Find us wherever you guys get your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you guys can't watch the show here on YouTube, that's the best place to find us. Also, make sure you all subscribe to the channel and like the videos. Pay attention. We've got two big announcements coming up about the show pretty soon. Some stuff that I think you guys will be pretty excited about, about the Neighborhood Watch, Big 12 Neighborhood Watch, and uh, some apparel coming, name change coming as well. A couple things to look out for, some rebranding potentially. Make sure we get this podcast out of the most Big 12 fans possible. So like the video, subscribe to the channel, help us do that, interact with the show. On X slash Twitter, we're at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Uh, at Josh Neighbors underscore is where you guys will get my Big 12 picks each week against the spread on Saturday mornings. Those picks so far this year, 24 and 17 ATS is what we are right now. So we're having a very successful season picking games against the spread. Uh, 50, the upper 50 percentage wise. So uh, obviously it's good stuff there. Uh, getting you all some winners on Saturday mornings. And hopefully we'll have some winners for you all this week. So let's get to the Big 12 menu. Let's look, see how things uh, you know shape up on your Saturday in the Big 12. That's what we do on the show. Obviously a preview edition here on a Thursday. Uh, Michael Luke is coming on on Friday to talk about Arizona and their rise and really their potential in the new Big 12. So we'll talk about that on Friday. Uh, so today is a Thursday preview episode. Let's get to it. 11 a.m. on Fox. We've got Oklahoma in Kansas. 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Houston in K-State. 11 a.m. on FS1. West Virginia at UCF. 2.30 on ABC. It's BYU at number nine, Texas. 2.30 on ESPN+. Plus. It's Iowa State at Baylor. And 7 p.m. on ESPN2, it's Cincinnati at Oklahoma State. So obviously here, there's something in every window. 
Uh, that 11 a.m. window is the most loaded, most significant, I think, with all of the games. So I think that's obviously where you would look first. Um, that's what you know. That's how we always do it. But 11 a.m. on Fox, it's number six Oklahoma going to a sold-out booth against Kansas in Lawrence, Kansas. The last time these two teams played in Lawrence, KU was able to make it a close game, but Oklahoma obviously had that superhero Caleb Williams effort that helped them uh, end up get the win. And what was a really, it's actually the worst Caleb Williams looked really uh, that freshman season that he had. I mean, KU had him all out of sorts, especially in that first half. And so that's why I think this game is very intriguing. You got Brett McMurphy telling us that, look, hey, it's going to be Jason Bean once again at quarterback for Kansas as Jalen Daniels is still out with that back injury, that back issue he is going through. And so this is an interesting one because Kansas, despite the fact, or obviously the fact that you know it's big because they're a good team, uh, but Kansas comes in off the bye and Oklahoma had a really difficult time last week with UCF. Now, thing is, uh, UCF's got really good skill players. And so that's an area where they struggle because uh, UCF had some success moving the football on them. And also the one thing that stood out, if you all watched that game, we talked about it earlier in the week, is this. Oklahoma wanted to run the football. They could not run the football successfully against UCF. Um, and that is the one thing about Oklahoma's offense that really we've talked about all season. You look at the games they've had success, right? The game against Arkansas State is not really where you count one of those, you know, four and a half yards, uh, you know, per rush on the ground, but you don't really count Arkansas State as like too tough of a hurdle. The game against SMU, uh, Tawi Walker did have a really good rushing, uh, I'd say, day. Marcus Major was fine. They ran for four yards of carry, which is good. I mean, it's okay, but it's not like anything spectacular or special. You know, it's, it's whatever. The Tulsa game. Uh, they were able to run the ball, uh, you know, not very successfully. It was 4.3 a carry, two scores on 28 carries. Most of that was the passing attack for them. And then you get to the actual conference games, right? So those games, like, you kind of throw them out. Against Cincinnati, it was a tough day sledding on the ground. They rushed, they rushed for three yards a carry. In the following game against Iowa State, ironically enough, Iowa State's defense has now come alive, um, but they actually were pretty good in that game against the rush. Two rushing touchdowns, but Major was 3.5 a carry. Dylan Gabriel, 4.6. Sawchuck was 2.9. Tywee Walker was 4.3. So really, they did an excellent job on the ground of stopping that rushing attack. And then the one big rushing game that OU had was the game against Texas because Dylan Gabriel had 14 carries for 113 in the score. And then Tywee Walker's 15.46, which is not very good per, per carry, but had two touchdowns. So... And then you had last week, they did not have a very good rushing performance. So this is the thing about them is that, look, they tried it last week and it didn't work. And so Oklahoma's best path to victory is, even against lesser competition, do not try to run the ball, just throw it, right? Just throw it. This plays into this matchup for OU because when you talk about passing defenses in this league uh, and you go to only conference stats only, and we're at the point now where it's a pretty decent sample size, Kansas has the worst passing defense in the league, right? So, you know, if you want to talk about, hey, like, what is the advantage? Last week, we talked about rushing, right? The worst rushing defense in this league was UCF. And OU really did try to run that rock. It did not work. 
Jeff Levy can sometimes, can sometimes, not I think not totally, can sometimes be in that Kendall Bryles, you know, school of thought where it's like, we are going to run. We're going to run a lot. Um, and that, that's not been the case for them now recently because it's just not working out for them. Last week they tried. It felt like Oklahoma made a very honest attempt to make the ground game the thing that did work for them. I mean, they had 46 carries last week, but only 4.1 yards per rush, and their longest run was 30 yards, right? This week, they are facing the weakest passing defense in the league. Through four games, TCU is or TCU, KU is allowing 296.8 yards per game through the air, an average of 7.9 yards per pass play. Now, that is the fifth worst in the league, but the yardage in total is the worst in the league. This team can be had. Also, it turns uh, comes to uh, completion percentage against. Opponents are completing 65.3% of their passes against Kansas, and they've only intercepted three passes so far this season. So it's pretty clear, right? Oklahoma has the third best passing offense, and not everybody has played you know, in terms of per game. They're 306.5. Um, Dylan Gabriel has been very uh, sharp and efficient for the most part through the air. I think that is where this game is decided ultimately, right? I think Oklahoma's defense will slow down KU enough. And here's the thing. Jason Bean has been the quarterback in offenses for Kansas where they have chased the game, especially last season. They chase games. But while they came back, their defense is just not good enough to hang on. So it's important for Kansas to come out fast in this game and be, you know, be in a spot where it's either back and forth or they're just they're right in there leading the way. They need to get in that state because when they chase games, guys, we saw it last week. They chased down Oklahoma for a minute or Oklahoma State for a minute, but they were not able to maintain a couple weeks ago. So I think that's where this game is decided is that, look, can Kansas start fast, number one, and not be chasing this game? We saw it last year. They were chasing the game, and they're not able to come all the way back. So number one is a fast start for them. Number two is uh, can they get it? Can they force some turnovers? Right? Can they force any turnovers or will it be one-way traffic? Because the one way that you can get to, you know, if you're a KU, you're going to give it up is, all right, like red zone roulette. So we need to get some stops in the red zone, which I don't think the red zone defense has been very good this year uh, at all. And uh, also the one that you can do is, you know, you, what you'll attempt, actually it's when you have pretty bad. Um, the other thing that you can do is you can try to, uh, you know, uh, force those big turnovers, obviously, right? And get yourself some more possessions. So uh, that's the big key for KU. I think Oklahoma wins 10 points, though it's tricky. I'll have my final pick on Saturday, but uh, it's hard to find a lean right now in that category just because, you know, 10 points is, is an awful lot. It really is. 11 a.m. on ESPN2, Houston at K-State. K-State is a 17.5-point favorite. They are at home. Right now, the Kansas State Wildcats are humming. This thing on offense it's a two-quarterback system. It looks good. I don't know what it looks like when they start punching up and they go against the uh, Texases of the world, but right now, K-State is riding a very good surge. Last two weeks, I think they've scored 79, 79 points total, I think is what it is. The last two weeks, they've got a good chance here to get to 4-1, and 6-2, and two, uh, 4-1 and one in the league, 6-2 and two overall. And what I'll tell you folks is this, is that they have embraced – uh, Avery Johnson into the offense. I'm not positive in passing situations. It's going to end up being the best thing for them. 
Their defense is starting to look a little bit better. It's looked pretty good the last two weeks. And I don't think they're looking ahead at all. I think they're looking to, sh looking to sharpen the blade as they look forward to go on and take on um, Texas next week. But they've got to make sure they take care of business here. And the one thing that you know is that they are facing a pretty strong passing attack right in Houston. Donovan Smith has been on a pretty good roll, but I'm worried for Houston. I think they might be out of gas. I think Houston, after the emotional uh, dump they had against Case or against West Virginia, getting that win, that was a lot on them. And then obviously last week, they really got themselves up for that game against Texas. I don't know if they can carry all of that momentum into this game. So I like K-State for that reason. 18 is a lot, 17 and a half is a lot, but obviously you have to win the game by 18 to cover that. But I think they are riding plenty of momentum as they move forward right now. 11 a.m. on FS1. It is the West Virginia Mountaineers taking on UCF. UCF is a touchdown favorite. So UCF last week played their best game in the conference so far. Now, once again, they have been dealing with injuries, especially the quarterback spot. But man, they were in that thing to the very end, right? Uh, and so obviously that was you know, a big moment for them. We'll see how they come out. West Virginia, too, are they dealing with the body blow right now? Because in back-to-back -back games, they had the heartbreaking loss. Oh, my God, a heartbreaking loss against Houston that we just mentioned. And then, you know, Oklahoma State guys, I mean, they just straight up punched them straight in the mouth, right? That was a uh, not competitive game, but, like, it got away a little bit there late in that game uh, based off of what we saw. You know, just they could not stop Ollie Gordon. And so because of that, you are a bit worried for the situation at West Virginia when it comes to, all right, is the steam kind of coming out of this thing? It's a big opportunity for UCF to take advantage. I'll take West Virginia plus the points because they always play in close games. And uh, I think, you know, UCF's got a more talented roster. I do think West Virginia is losing steam, but Garrett Green has been improving. And so I think with that, like, I think he's kind of, he's, you know, I know it's not the most efficient effort in the world, but I love to see what Garrett Green's doing right now. And I think he'll take advantage of what has been, generally speaking, a weak UCF defense. So I think this is a Garrett Green kind of keep him close type game, but I think this is John Rice Plumlee, UCF, and their offense, you know, Javon Baker, uh, Townsend, Harvey. I think they all have big games or, you know, decent games and keep this thing, uh, you know, get their first win in the Big 12 Conference and do it against West Virginia, who is, you know, it feels like they're starting to hold on just a little bit. Once again, competitive, but you're, you're starting to run out of gas here a bit and your bye week is in the rearview mirror. All right, we have got this game, 2.30 on ABC. This line has actually grown since I put the graphic together. It's now at 19, but BYU goes to Texas. Um, like, I... So last year, Iowa State went into Texas and gave them a really close game, right? And, and you could argue you should have won this game. All right, BYU, I dropped two spots in my power rankings this week. This is statistically not a good football team, Right? This is not a team, you know, when you look at like uh, so their defense against the pass, it is the sixth ranked passing defense. They've given up the most passing touchdowns in the league in, in their four games, not even, you know, uh, not even played all the whole, the whole thing. When it comes to the rushing defense, they are 10th in the league, right? Not a ton of rushing touchdowns, but teams 
are still rushing for a buck 88 against them per game, which in terms of yardage, that is the fifth most in the league, right? You go to the offensive side of things. Their rushing offense is uh, uh, dead, uh, second to last, second to last, 80 yards per game on the ground. Their passing offense is 10th. All right, guys. And also when it comes to completion percentage, they are second to last. This is not an efficient passing attack. This is not a team that when you watch them, are you thinking, man, and for offensive efficiency standards, guys, they've got the 12th most efficient passing offense in the league. They have got the 13th most efficient rushing offense in the league, right? The one thing that they do well, though, is that they they have forced uh, a decent amount of turnovers, right? They have got six interceptions on the year. It's tied for second in the league, and they do capitalize very well off of, uh, you know, when they're in the red area. It feels like they do a pretty good job, uh, you know, of, of basically, well, really just opportunistic is the word I'm looking for, right? Uh, they do a very, very good job of being opportunistic. It's just generally speaking, not, you know, this team is like, I just don't know how they're five and two. It's pretty crazy. They are five and two. Um, last week was the first game where I felt like they were the better team, but like the numbers don't say they outplayed them. Although they did outplay them. I, I really do believe that. Right. But still you look back on it, like 19 to 12 in first downs, nine of 18 on third down and three of five on fourth down wore Texas tech. The big thing was five turnovers to zero turnovers, right? That was the huge part uh, for them. And they capitalized off of those turnovers. They played TCU's, in my opinion, better team. And, you know, uh, they end up winning that game, but, uh, or excuse me, uh, that's the TCU game. The Cincinnati game, they're a better team than Cincinnati. Cincinnati guys had 509 or 498 yards of offense. They were nine of 13 on third down, but two turnovers to no turnovers, Right. I mean, they outgained them by 200 yards and lost the game. They had a pick six in that one as well, too. The Arkansas game was another example. And Arkansas is not very good, but Arkansas had 424 yards of offense. BYU had 281. They capitalized off turnovers. Uh, Arkansas was the more penalized team as well. So you're seeing where I'm going with this. Opportunistic is good for BYU. The thing is, like, you could be opportunistic against a team in Texas that has got a backup quarterback. The thing is... I think they're going to run it right at you. I think that's what they're going to do this week. They're going to run it right at you. Malik Murphy, that's kind of his strength. I mean, his his passing uh, ability was not on full display last week, I feel pretty comfortable saying. So, uh, you know, I, I think that is the key for Texas to run it. And I'm, I'm curious to see how he looks. You know, you're always uncomfortable laying a number like 19 in a spot like this. I totally understand that because it's a backup quarterback, but – They've got good quarterback depth. So I think this thing is going to go pretty well for Texas. And BYU has done nothing to inspire confidence. Their record is good, but if you look at quality of play, they beat lesser competition. They do. If you make mistakes, they make you pay. Arkansas, bad team. Cincinnati, bad team. I mean, if you look at the records of the teams that BYU has beaten, right? Um, Sam Houston, 14-0. That team is 0-7, I believe, uh, at this point in time. Uh, Southern Utah is an FCS team that is two and five. Arkansas is two and six. Cincinnati is uh, two and five, right? And then finally, Texas Tech is three and five, right? They have not, they don't have a win against a winning team. So that has to be accounted for. BYU is not a good football team. Uh, they beat you if you play poorly. They will beat you if you play poorly. 
but like Texas is really going to have to play poorly, man. They really have to play poorly. The teams that are better on the schedule that BYU has played, they have, they have beaten, right? Um, the teams that you know they play that are that are not as good as them. Like here's the thing: if Baron Morton plays for Texas Tech, probably win that game. And I don't mean to crap on BYU. Like, uh, like it's they are credit to them for being five and two. If you're Kalani Sataki, you have to feel really good about being five and two. Maybe they can turn it around. Maybe they can find a different gear. Maybe because they are winning now, it's like all right, we're about to start playing our best ball. But they have at West Virginia or at Texas, at West Virginia, Iowa State, OU, and at Oklahoma State. Just get me six, man. Just get me six. Because I think that six one's going to be tough to find. They could do it at West Virginia, but they should be underdogs. They could do it against Iowa State at home, but they're coming alive. They could – well, Oklahoma at home is going to be a weird atmosphere. We'll see what Oklahoma looks like. Maybe they, maybe that's a Keaton Slovis game of his life situation, whatever. And then maybe at Oklahoma State, depending on what's happening then, but you don't feel pretty confident in, in a lot. Like They're going to be dogs the rest of the way. So uh, I think it's going to be, if they get a sixth win, that's a massive accomplishment because I don't know if this team is that good. Uh, I don't know if, if, if they are. All right, uh, moving on now. We have got do to do on the schedule. Next 2.30 game, Iowa State at Baylor. So Iowa State on the road, favored by two and a half. This one feels like a massive stay. I'll bet this one. I'll end up doing it because I'm a, I'm a sicko. But man, like, Iowa State starting to play well. Baylor gets the win last week against Cincinnati, but it was tight. I trust Iowa State right now more in a tight game than I do Baylor. I just, man, like you feel like Iowa State with the decimated roster they have, they should be, they should uh, not be as good as Baylor, but Baylor just doesn't look very good. Uh, this is one of those where you're like, how in the hell do you, uh, do you, do you kind of assess this game? Because Iowa State is not going to run on the football. Baylor's bad at stopping the run. Uh, Iowa State has become a better passing offense with Rocco Becht, right? That has been something that they've been, they've been pretty good at. But in terms of passing yards allowed, Baylor's force. I mean, that's the area where this game is settled. The passing defense for Iowa State, it's seventh. It's the middle of the road for them this year. They're going to need uh, Blake Shapen and the company are really going to need to turn this thing on to get it going. I'd like to see them try to get the running game going. Maybe it won't work because Iowa State's pretty good defense, but they got to get that thing going because that offense is meant to work in concert. It's not supposed to just be the, uh, you know, not supposed to just be the passing attack for them. Uh, it's supposed to be going. Guys, that's a big, I, I've got no idea. But hey, if if Iowa State gets the win here, we're going to have a serious Iowa State conversation next week. Five and three for them with three straight wins against TCU at Cincinnati at Baylor and a chance to get a sixth. It won't be, it will not be easy but a chance to get a sixth. Uh, Matt Campbell's done a great job. I'm, I'm already saying right now, I think he's done a great job. They can get a couple more wins. I'm really impressed. And if they make a bowl, even with a loss to Ohio, uh, Ohio, that's really impressive because, you know, that's one of those you clock as a win. And like, if you, you had them at probably about four wins this year, like I did, and they get the job done and they, they don't win that game. It means they got to get it somewhere else. It's impressed they have gotten that win somewhere else. So good for them. Uh, seven o'clock on ESPN two. No folks, this might, might be one of those where I, uh, I watch this one afterwards. Not sure I'm going to be dialed all the way in on this. Uh, I mean, well, any opportunity to watch Ali Gordon is, uh, is one. So I guess I will be, but like, I think it's one of those where you record it, maybe go out, you know, uh, significant other, maybe, Hey, you go out and give him some, you know, some love, right. Give him some attention, take him to a Halloween party, whatever you want to do. But, um, yeah, this is one of those where Cincinnati is a cratering mess. Now, it's not like it's completely uncompetitive, right? 
their losses, seven points in overtime against Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio is a good team, but you shouldn't be doing that. Oklahoma, 14-point loss, nothing to scoff at. Eight-point loss at BYU, you did outplay them. Uh, 20-point loss against Iowa State. This thing, that was one-way traffic. You were terrible in that game. And Baylor came in and whipped your ass. Not whipped your ass, but like they came in and they moved the ball all over you at home whenever they needed to. They needed to move the ball. They, they were able to move the ball. Uh, but another game game where you outgained somebody. I mean, I think why the the Cincinnati Bearcats keep getting favored is that like they're having they're having some decent offensive performances. Like last week, they ran for seven yards a carry nearly and two scores. And Emory Jones was 19 of 30 for 162 and two touchdowns. But also they had four fumbles last week and they only lost one of them. But you're seeing like they just had they they're not great in coverage. Uh, Emory Jones makes big mistakes and it just feels like they're not good in the margins and you need to be in better in the margins for a school like them. So uh, I think for Cincinnati, it's heading the wrong way. And I think if you're Oklahoma state, man, you keep this thing rolling. Maybe you hammer Ollie early, but if I'm them, like they have to be cognizant of how many carries they're giving him because he is the engine that makes the offense go. So you want to be cognizant of how much of a workload you're giving the guy. Now, did not get a ton of carries to start off the season, but I would be a bit thoughtful about how many carries Ollie Gordon's getting. Now we've seen running backs wear down before, but he had 21 against K state 29 against KU and 29 against West Virginia. Maybe a mix it up a bit, maybe a bit more Jaden Nixon here. Maybe let Alan Bowman try to sling this thing around a bit more. Uh, Cincinnati can keep it close, but if I'm, if I'm, Oklahoma State, maybe I try to refine the passing game a bit more because you will need both. And it was good against Kansas uh, and against West Virginia. I guess I'm forgetting about how good the passing game was. Uh, Ollie Gordon was the real showstopper in that one. Bowman was 24-36 for 210, two scores and one INT. So, yeah, for them, they I think they need to get the passing game going just a bit more to make sure you're going to Bedlam with a bit more of refinement in both areas. So I would lay the seven and a half. I am not confident anything Cincinnati related a little bit more than a touchdown obviously has you sweating just a touch, but still uh, I, I would go in that direction. All right, let's go to the Saturday seven, the seven games out to the big 12 conference that are the most important this week. And that most important designation is given by yours truly, but obviously, you know, I think it's pretty uh, easy to pick them most of the time. So here is your Saturday seven Georgia and Florida on CBS see if Georgia can get a nice tune-up or Florida can be competitive here. Uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, 2.30 on Fox. Oregon and Utah. Utah getting six and a half points, around seven right now. Obviously, Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer, the quarterback there. This is a massive statement opportunity for both Utah and for Oregon, right? Oregon can kind of show, hey, we are rounding into form as this kind of West Coast power. And look, like you left that game, I mean, Leave that game against Washington feeling really, really good. I think Washington gave the best version of themselves in that game. And uh, I thought Oregon played pretty well too. But, um, you know, I like the way they went forward on fourth down. Just, you know, tough throw from Bo Nix, whatever. But I still feel pretty good about Oregon and who the team is. I think you left that game still feeling really good. Can they run the table the rest of the way? I do not know. This is the big challenge, right? Going to an environment like this is kind of the massive challenge. Uh, 2.30 on ESPN, Duke and Louisville in a, a ACC title eliminator game. Louisville is laying four. Interested to see what happens there. Riley Leonard, will he play or not? 
6.30 on NBC. It's Ohio State at Wisconsin. Was there a big uh, effort from uh, Ohio State last week? And so against a really good uh, Penn State team and getting the job done there. Wisconsin, is this kind of their you know, big stand of the season? I'm having a nice year, but is that possible? 6.30 on ABC, it's Colorado at UCLA. How do the Buffs look off a bye against Dante Moore and a really good UCLA defense? 9.30, or at least generally speaking, pretty good. 9.30 on ESPN, it's number 11, Oregon State at Arizona. Arizona getting three and a half here. Very interesting game. Arizona looks like they are playing a lot better. They look very good. We'll see what happens off a of bye. And then 9.30 on FS1, UNLV and Fresno State in a big game. Out in the Mountain West, UNLV is six and one. I want to say, and then Fresno State is six and one as well, or seven and one, whatever it is. But they are both playing really well this year. They're both playing really, really well. Shout out to Barry Odom for getting to six and one. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you're all back tomorrow. Michael Luke comes on to focus on the Arizona Wildcats and the year they've had and the chance to be a factor in the Big Twelve as soon as they arrive. That's coming up tomorrow on the show. Make sure you all follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. I'm at Josh Neighbors underscore.